Good morning, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of A Vision for You. Today is Sunday, October 21st, 2018. The Share ID numbers for Friday, October 19th are the following. For the 7 a.m. Eastern Big Book Study, 12,062, that's 12062. And for the 10 a.m. Eastern Big Book Study, 12,065, that's 12065. This morning, A Vision for You presents The Peculiar Mental Twist. The Big Book teaches us we have a twofold illness the allergy of the body, and the obsession of the mind. The allergy of the body is a bad problem. However, the big book teaches us that we have a problem worse than that. The big book says it's our main problem. We've got a mental problem, a peculiar mental twist. We've got a problem with our mind. The big book's characterization of this is as a mental obsession. An obsession is a thought that overpowers all other thoughts. It is an obsession over which we have no mental defense. We have a mind which takes us back to that which is killing us. It seems we are doomed. Joining us to speak On the subject of the peculiar mental twist is Judy F., a recovered compulsive overeater from Massachusetts. Judy is dedicated to the 12-step way of life, part of which is carrying this message of recovery. Welcome to the line, Judy F. Thank you, Leah. Can I be heard? I hear you well. Okay, great. Thank you. Thank you. Um, This is uh, Judy F. I'm a grateful, recovered compulsive overeater, and I'm honored and humbled to be asked to speak today. And today I'd like to focus um, my share on that peculiar mental twist that it talks about in the big book. Um, And as it relates to my disease of compulsive overeating and, and, and how the big book helped me to understand and identify with this mental twist and the mental states that preceded a relapse, always precede a relapse for me into compulsive overeating and bulimia and restriction. And then uh, how the big book further helped me to admit I was a compulsive overeater and, um, and then how my mind was transformed. So I'll be going through the book, pointing out passages as well, well as the directions in the big book um, for the solution and um, for the transformation of my queer mental condition, which is also referenced on page 92 in the big book, and then um, how I came to sound reasoning and having recovered from a hopeless condition of mind and body that I am in that state of mind today. Thank you, God. Uh, So I did tell my story on a Vision for You special edition meeting on August 26, 2012. And that's where I described, you know, the insanity of my eating history and uh, how God transformed my thinking through the 12 steps and how I found uh, neutrality with the food. Um, So that goes into detail if you want to reference that. But today I'll be looking specifically um, at the big book and how... It 
really does a good job in describing uh, the second part of our illness and really the greater aspect of our illness, um, the, um, the mind and the sick mind that I had. Um, I, and I'll, I'll also share just mental states that I, I found I could relate to in the big book. And as it said on page 35, you know, the um, crux of the problem is, <clears throat> I'll just uh, reference that now, for obviously this is the crux of the problem. You know, we shall describe some of the men mental states that precede a relapse into drinking, for obviously this is the crux of the problem. So this is the greater aspect of my disease. I do have an allergy to the body, but um, the greater aspect is, is um, that I had a sick mind. So I um, used, when I went through uh, working in the book, I used the um, Big Book Dictionary. It's a little uh, Big Book Dictionary that um, I was told, uh, and you can get that online, bigbookdictionary.com, because it was a dictionary that was used when Bill W. and the others wrote the book. So it was, um, and I looked up, tried to look up a peculiar mental twist or that phrase or the words, and, and it actually wasn't in that dictionary. So I did, just to give a reference, I, I did look um, in the American Heritage Dictionary, uh, the, um, those words, peculiar mental twist, and peculiar, um, unusual or eccentric, distinct from all others, and belonging distinctively to one person, group, or kind. So, um, and that's where I find, you know, it's peculiar in that um, what I found peculiar that I could relate to a lot to this book and a lot of people have this um, same type of um, thinking, peculiar, unusual, and yet it's a whole group of us that have this unusual um, thinking. And then mental of the mind, so it's definitely in the mind, and then twist. Um, what it said, an unexpected turn of events, you know, we don't um, expect it. And, and that's being, you know, normal people, you don't expect this, um, how this mind can then produce the behavior that it does over and over. And um, I heard once that, you know, um, the uh, thinking, thinking precedes the action, but all action is born in thought. So it starts with the thought. Um, I didn't just pick up. It started with the thought before I picked up. But a friend of mine shared, um, she had her definition of a peculiar mental twist. And um, she said, the way we deal with reality is to twist it up mentally. That way we can justify, rationalize, defend our eating. We can be in delusion and we have no control to change this thinking on our own <clears throat> because no one in their right mind would eat or drink um, and really for us eat again um, after all the consequences. And that was so true. I had horrific consequences and yet there I was making, having a, an excuse or rationalization or justification to pick up and have just one. So getting into the book, um, on page 23, the first paragraph, it says, the main problem of the alcoholic centers in his mind rather than in his body. So the main problem, and um, I thought the main problem was 
just that uh, I liked food <laughs> or that um, I thought that it was um, just I, that's how I dealt with life and um, I just wanted food. But if I had just the allergy, I would have just cut it out. I would have just um, put down the flour and the, for me, the flour, sugar, caffeine, artificial sweeteners and there's compulsive food behaviors and then I would just stop overeating and um, if that was all down there'd be no reason to pick it up because it was out of my body and the craving would that physical craving wouldn't happen but that didn't happen um, anytime I put it down through a diet through just mental control sooner or later my mind would tell a lie and uh, give me a really good reason uh, for me to pick it up. At least that's what I would think. And I just could not stay stopped. So um, even having it down, um, and I'll share more about that. Uh, page 24, second paragraph. If these thoughts occur, they are hazy and readily supplanted with the old threadbare idea that this time we shall handle ourselves like other people. So, you know, those ideas would dominate my mind that I could uh, be like others, that if I just um, exerted my willpower, if I just made up my mind not to overeat, then I wouldn't. Um, but then that idea would come um, override it. And... Um, but I just kept thinking that I could eat like other people, that this was only food, and I saw people put down, you know, have just one. Why couldn't I do that? And that was just such an obsession of mine to just keep trying to do it, um, that I could eat one piece of cake at a party like others do. I could have a dessert. I could, um, I, could I mean, any of my binge foods, I thought I could just have, uh, one of or, or just have a moderate meal of it and over and over I kept going back for more and more uh, page 30 first paragraph it is not surprising that our drinking careers have been characterized by countless vain attempts to prove that we could drink like other people so they say the more you try to control something, the more it controls you. And um, and that's what I, I really thought mentally. I thought I could prove that I was normal with food, that I could um, just have eat moderately, just have one of. I mean, that really, I, I was truly um, obsessed about being able to um, eat what I wanted and stay thin and not get into the binging and the purging. Um, and I tried a lot of different ways to do it. I, I tried therapy. And in fact, um, one therapist, you know, just go, um, just eat what the problem, she said the problem was that I was depriving myself. And that's why um, diets didn't work because I deprived myself. So of course, what I deprived of myself, I would go and eat more of. So if I just let myself have a little of it, um, then there would be no deprivation and I wouldn't want more. So that made sense to me, and that's probably true for normal readers, but for a real compulsive reader like me, my mind couldn't handle that. And um, I 
well, my mind could handle it, but my body couldn't because I have um, an allergy of the body. So um, I just, I, I did a lot. I went to a lot of different therapy to try to eat normally. Um, I thought I went to another therapist thinking if I could understand why I was overeating. So um, I wasn't expressing my feelings. I was um, stuffing my feelings. So I needed to express my, um, my anger. I needed to be more assertive. I needed to say what I um, tell people what I needed. And then I wouldn't um, overeat because I wasn't getting what I wanted. Um, and so that thinking was if I just figured out why, then I wouldn't um, overeat. And I mind that was using my reasoning and it was um, my ideas didn't work. Page 32, second paragraph. Then he fell victim to a belief which practically every alcoholic has that his long period of sobriety and self-discipline had qualified him to drink as other men. And that happened for me. I remember being um, on a diet for four or five months. And, um, and I had, while I was on the diet, I was religious on it. I didn't um, go off it at all. And I started thinking, wow, this is great. This is great food. There's no reason. And I got really thin. And there's no reason for me to um, want more food, want, want it. Although there was always um, the thought that I wouldn't do this forever. But um, I thought, you know, I'm, I'm back and I could now go on maintenance. And so they added some of my binge foods on maintenance. And I really thought, well, it's been a long time and I've, haven't wanted to binge, so there's no reason I'm going to binge and want overeat. And so I had that that maintenance food. Food it was a muffin, a simple muffin. But I'm allergic to flour and sugar, so that set me up to off and running like I never even stopped. That progression um, was like I just uh, picked up where I left off. And I was into another binge. I couldn't stop eating. And I really thought that um, that, that was long for me. Four, four or five months without, um, without overeating was a long time for me. Um, and it really happened every time I finished a diet. You know, I could be perfect on that diet and um, the willpower, determination, or fear that kept me on that diet. But then the maintenance, and I was just off and running. Um, I could not, you know, they said have uh, moderate meals, you know, just have, and I, I just couldn't. I would just continue to try to um, bend the back and forth, trying to control it, and then losing control. And, um, and then the weight would come back on. Uh, or, you know, if I went to therapy and was doing controlled therapy in, uh, about my emotional eating, when I, um, for a couple of weeks, I might have, uh, you know, any new thing I could do, like a new diet or um, new therapy, I'd get all hyped up about it and, um, and really, you know, be um, determined. And, you know, I uh, myself, I had a lot of self-will determination, but with this disease, it, I had no power. And I, sooner or later, that thought would come that I needed it. Um, 
that and I would justify um, having just one. And so, um, and there I was again. So I would naturally, um, you know, when when the emotion started coming back up, I, that had always been my solution. Food was a solution really for everything. Any type of emotion, um, it just, sooner or later, I, I had to have the food and that's what my mind told me. Page 33, second paragraph. Uh, let's see, I'm going to read the whole paragraph because it's a good one. Page 30, second full paragraph. Um, Young people may be encouraged by this man's experience to think that they can stop as he did on their own willpower. And that I did have a lot of willpower. Um, We really doubt if any of them can do it because none will really want to stop and hardly one of them because of the peculiar mental twist. And there it is, already required, will find he can win out. Several of our crowd men of 30 or less had been drinking only a few years, but they found themselves as helpless as those who had been drinking 20 years. And that was me. Um, My abstinence date is um, July 29th, 1991, but really from um, 13 years old to 27, I was doing heavy, really heavy um, binging, purging through um, laxatives, some some throwing up and um, restricting and over-exercising. And so, um, you know, that the peculiar mental twist started early for me and it, 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 it was pretty devastating um, pretty soon into it. Um, but I remember in high school, I mean, maybe I could have stopped, but I just didn't want to. I, I, I had, um, my mind told me I could I'd do it in like high school. I would restrict during the week and then um, we'd call them pig out parties and I would have pig out parties with my friends, but you know, they stopped, you know, at night, I would then start sneaking it more. And then the rest of the weekend I would be um, binging. So um, I, I really thought that I could do it though. Um, and uh, even a year before I hit my bottom at 26, I, I was suicidal and was, um, I had been in therapy and they also thought I was bipolar um, because of what the flour and sugar did, you know, that the, the crazy um, highs and lows I had when I was in the food. And, but I had been, and then they thought, well, maybe Prozac for, um, because I was really depressed. And, and I, I started fantasizing about taking the pills um, because I just wanted this peace. I had no peace with this um, mental twist. I mean, I was all twisted up. And so um, right before I was going into, it was um, a, a lockup unit actually on, on a, um, in, a, um, in a psychiatric ward. And my friend who was actually needing to sort of therapist, she wasn't mine, but um, she was a friend of mine and she was trying to convince me to to um, go into the hospital because I was suicidal and my food was, I was just binging all, all weekend and not going to work at times. And so um, he, was, he was saying like, you need to go. And I'd say, no, because um, you know, what are they gonna do at work without me? 
well, I was missing so much work that that was absurd um, that they even would miss me being out in it. And, and, um, and so she just, like everything I, all my excuses for not going in, she just came up with like, no, that's not the truth. Um, and that's the thing in the doctor's opinion, you know, in our disease, we, on page um, Roman numeral 28, they cannot after a time differentiate the true from the false. You know, that's again the mental, um, peculiar mental twist. The mind is supposed to, like one of the functions is to reason. And um, I had no, like, I, I didn't know, I was telling myself so many lies because this disease in that state of mind. And um, so thankfully I did get into that um, hospital, uh, but it, it it did not have the solution of the big book. Um, and so I went after seven weeks of being in there, being separated from my binge foods. As soon as I got out, um, I came up with a really good idea of why I needed to um, pick up. And, um, and I did, and I was off and running again. So um, even though in that we looked a lot at um, my emotional states, <laughs> but that didn't matter um, if I was expressing my feelings, um, getting connected, it still did not um, do anything with my mind. Um, so yeah, that's um, so that peculiar mental twist. Then on page 35, uh, the first sentence, so we shall describe some of the mental states that precede a relapse into drinking for obviously this is the crux of the problem, as I mentioned before. So um, in the uh, more than that's in the more about alcoholism chapter uh, about all the different mental states and, you know, for the jaywalker thinking it will be different this time and getting um, run over by the disease again and again and even getting a hit like you know, restless, irritable, and discontent. And yes, the food, the first bite always gave me this like, ah, but then it just, it, then it wasn't there. Like maybe at first it was, it gave me some sense of ease and comfort, but um, then after a while it didn't at all, but it was just this drivenness, I've got to have it. I've just got to have it. And, um, and like Fred, um, I could relate to Fred, you know, he went to church and he believed in God. And um, I had gone to um, church. I, I thought I would become a born again Christian. That's going to do it. Belief in God is going to do it. And um, but I didn't have any like this program talks about action and there was no action. I just thought, well, belief in God and then God's just going to remove it. And that didn't um you know, there was no self-sacrifice or altruistic action or self-searching on my part. Um, page 36, second paragraph, suddenly the thought crossed my mind that if I were to put an ounce of whiskey in my milk, it couldn't hurt me on a full stomach. I ordered a whiskey and poured it into the milk. I vaguely sensed I was not being any too smart, but felt reassured as I was taking the whiskey on a full stomach. The experiment worked so well that I ordered another whiskey and poured it into more milk. That didn't seem to bother me, so I tried another. So there's um, that really spoke to me about my rationalization and justification of why it was okay for me to pick up. You know, um, thinking he would have 
Jim thought it, he could just have it with milk and it wouldn't be too bad. And I, I know I would, um, when I was uh, in sales, <clears throat> uh, there were some, um, you know, you always have some difficult customers. And and in my thinking, I thought, oh, I'm just going to have like a candy bar just to kind of give me a little energy and kind of sweeten it, make this better. And I really thought that that would just kind of really in my head, like sweeten it up that um, I would then be able to appease this customer. Or um, if I was really anxious about something, um, the flour products like having um, some bread or something would calm me down. Uh, I remember thinking that. So uh, there was, it was just my disease found any any excuse for me to pick up. Page 36, bottom of the page, up through page 37 at the top. He has much knowledge about himself as an alcoholic, yet all reasons for not drinking were pushed aside in favor of the foolish idea that he could take whiskey if only he mixed it with milk. And, you know, for me, I went to therapy. I got a lot of knowledge about myself. Um, I went to the treatment center. And, um, the, I mean, the first, uh, the first one, because I did end up going, I can share that, but um, the first one where, you know, we talked a lot about behavior modification, what to do, um, you know, some actions, but had nothing to do with a higher power, or really the 12 steps. And um, it was more on what I could do in my self-reliance. Um, and and got just knowledge of addiction, but there wasn't the component of um, the, the steps or having a relationship with the higher power. So within, I was in the, that treatment center for seven weeks, and in two days I was back in the food and out of control because I, you know, I really thought that I was cured, having, um, you know, had more awareness of myself and of my feelings and of expressing them. And then knowing, okay, when you get it, you know, when you're thinking of the food, take a walk, take a shower, um, <laughs> take a bath, just do something, but just don't pick up. And like in my own power, I couldn't do it. Um, but all that, you know, even knowing myself, it didn't work. And then on page 40, second paragraph, um, he says, I was much impressed with what you fellows said about alcoholism, and I frankly did not believe it would be possible for me to drink again. Boy, how many times did I think that? I rather appreciated your ideas about the subtle insanity which precedes the first drink, but I was confident that it could not happen to me after what I had learned. I reasoned that I was not so far advanced as most of you fellows, that I had been usually successful in licking my other personal problems and that I would therefore be successful where you men failed. I felt that I had every right to be self-confident, that it would be only a matter of exercising my willpower and keeping on guard. So yeah, I thought I had a lot of willpower and that's all it really took is me just to buckle down and today I'm not going to overeat. I'm not. And I'm going to do anything I can, and it's just a matter of putting my willpower to work. And it just never happened. And I really didn't believe that um, after, and I, I remember I would tell myself, like, oh, 
you know, I would think it through, think it through, Judy, you, you know, all the other times. But then I'd have some reason would pop in my mind why, well, I think I could do it just this time. Or, you know what, I'll get right back on it tomorrow. Or, you know, I really, ah, oh, I just can't stand it. I just need, I just need a hit of this. I need to be comforted. And then there I was picking um, over and over. Um, I also coming into, um, I came into OA and for four years I was in and out. Um, and what I would do is compare myself out when I listened to stories of compulsive overeaters tell their stories of transformation. I would really look for ways I was different so that then I would say, look, this, this isn't going to work for me. I really didn't want to be a compulsive overeater. I, I didn't. I didn't even like the that that name. It, you know. Um, I also. I didn't. I didn't want to have to go to meetings. I. I didn't want anything that they said. But I went because I didn't want the pain anymore. But I still wasn't ready, and I was still trying to figure out how I could figure this thing out. How I could eat what I wanted and not have the consequences. Um, and then, so if someone had said they were, they had been over 200 pounds, I would say, well, not that bad. I don't belong here. And if someone said they, they were like a true anorexic, well, not that bad. You know, I, I just restricted. Or if they were um, real purgers um, with, you know, vomiting, well, I didn't do that that much. So this is for really sick people. Or, um, you know what, I, I need a doctor or something. These are only lay people. Like, I, I, need, I need maybe a psychiatrist. Like, I just wasn't, I would, just wasn't ready. And so my mind would say, you know what, you don't, you're not that bad. You can, you can do this. You can, um, through going to church or just, you know, write in your journal your feelings, and then you won't want to eat over it. So, um, you know, then getting back into the food and then trying it out again. Um, and then uh, on page 41, the first paragraph, as I crossed the threshold of the dining room, the thought came to mind that it would be a ni nice to have a couple of cocktails with dinner. That was all, nothing more. I ordered a cocktail and then my meal. After dinner, I decided to take a walk. When I returned to the hotel, hotel, it struck me that a highball would be fine before going to bed. So I stepped into the bar and had one. I remember having several more that night and plenty the next morning. So for me, that peculiar mental twist in me is very subtle. It seemed innocent, and for a normal eater, it would be fine. I mean, it makes sense. You know, hey, just have one. I would tell myself that it's no big deal, that I'm thinking too much about it. Um, especially when I came after my first um, going into the hospital, and then they said, you know, go to OA for group support. And so I was going to OA, and um, I would tell myself, you know what, it's it's those OAers. They're they're telling me I have this disease, but I really don't. So I I just need to have a plan, and um, and then you know, and stick to it, and not be so um, rigid. Like that was the big thing. Like, oh, they're they're too rigid, and that's and then to have a food plan, that's like a diet. 
So um, I would, you know, think, and then why can't I just have one? I mean, there was a time I could have one. So then I would look at a time, like maybe in front of people, I would have one. But sooner or later, that night or a couple days later, I would have a binge. But my mind wouldn't let me put two and two together. I would remember that one time that I had one dessert and I was fine. So that, I would say, that's the real me. And now I've been convincing myself, these people are convincing me that I have a problem. Uh, So there's the mental twist again. and I haven't, um, and then, you know, I would say I haven't had it for a while, so I can take a little and it won't hurt, or I'll, you know, I'll just start in the morning. Uh, and even though time after time, I always went back for more and more, and, you know, there'd be a binge. There's all, there was always a binge um, down the road. And, it, you know, maybe not immediately, but sooner or later. So my per- perceptions, I, you know, if, Looking back, I can see they were twisted, and it was all based on um, self and self-sufficiency, you know, me. Um, and always trying to get my way. My overeating became a necessity to get ease and comfort. I, I wanted to be safe. I wanted to um, have just peace and um, at any cost, and I thought the food could give me that. Um, I really thought it could... I really thought it could be a solution for everything. And there again is the twisted thinking. I mean, how can food solve, you know, relationship problems, work problems, you know, self-esteem problems, but but I really thought it could. And I also thought um, if I could get my way, um, then I would be happy and there'd be no problems. Um, and, you know, I, if I, or if things went perfectly, then then it would be okay. So um, if I people pleased and people liked me, then I would feel happy and peaceful, and I wouldn't overeat because I wouldn't be upset. Um, so thankfully, I did hit a real bottom, and I was desperate and open to follow directions from compulsive overeaters and put down my alcoholic foods and uh, work the steps. Um, work a, a disciplined way of working my program and build a network um, in OA and find a higher power and really seek and have a, a relationship, like a day-to-day relationship. Uh, so my best thinking got me to being, um, I was binging daily throughout the day. So I lost my job and I was uh, practicing uh, bulimia through laxatives, over-exercise, three or four hours a day, and some purging and restricting food. Um, I was isolating, I was being um, either over-responsible in my family or job, or then nothing. Like I wouldn't call back, I would would withdraw. And um, it ended up that I lost my job. My friends weren't, um, I I really had no social um, networks and I was estranged from most of my family and suicidal. So yay, the solution, this, um, the big book gave me um, the solution and how I, um, how it was given to me is through, um, I went to a a second treatment center. It was based on the big book, based on um, food addiction as like alcoholism and that um, they got us in the big book and in the steps and working a disciplined way um, of, of the program. 
and really um, so grateful for that. Um, and so, uh, yeah, right away I was given a big book and we got into the doctor's opinion and I um, I learned about the allergy of the body and then this mental um, twist of the mind. And the big book also, not only does it show the problem, but it shows us a solution. And so I'm going to just um, go through where it shows um, about the solution um, that we're given um, new new um, ideas. You know, my old ideas had to be replaced by new ideas. And really, it's the experience um, of the 12 steps, doing that work, um, showing up to it with a recovered sponsor and um, taking those action um, steps that God then did the transforming of my mind. I just showed up and did the work, but, but really God um, changed that mind. Um, and for me, you know, that personality change. Um, I was given, taught um, the set-aside prayer, and I'm just going to read it and then show you the references because, um, well, I'll show you why. But so the set-aside prayer that I usually the one, sometimes I change it up a little bit, but God, please set aside everything I think I know about myself, the 12 steps, this book, the meetings, my disease, and you, God, so I may have an open mind and a new experience with all these things. Please let me see the truth. And so although the set-aside prayer um, is not like found ver uh, verbatim in the big book, it's um, there's references that... Um, bring us this set-aside prayer, and I'm, I'm going to reference it. And a lot of it is about prejudice. And in that, um, the Big Book Dictionary back in 1939, um, they have prejudice, a negative judgment or opinion formed beforehand and without complete knowledge or examination of the fact. <clears throat> so um, it's my thinking that I have my belief, um, and it's not... It's, it's my preconceived thinking. So before I even have experienced it, I already have a judgment about it. And that's, I had a lot of prejudices, um, and I'll name them after. But for the set-aside prayer on page 42, paragraph 3, it meant I would have to throw several lifelong conceptions out of the window. And page 46, paragraph 2, we found that as soon as we were able to lay aside prejudice and express even a willingness to believe in a power greater than ourselves, we commenced to get results, even though it was impossible for any of us to fully define or comprehend that power which is God. In 47, paragraph 1, do not let any prejudice you may have against spiritual terms deter you from honestly asking yourself what they mean to you. And I had a lot of prejudice coming in about um, God. I, I had been a believer and then. Um, there was just a lot of tragedies in my life, and I, I just couldn't um, get past that. And I really thought that God um, just abandoned me or, or just it wasn't – religion just wasn't helpful. It, it, it actually um, was hurtful um, because I had a sister that died when um, she was 17, 
and it was um, such a tragedy in my family. And people would say, well, you know, um, God will make good out of this. And I could never find good out of it. Um, and uh, and so I used that, um, and I prejudiced myself um, by not wanting this program for a long time um, because of that. And on page 48, paragraph 1, besides the seeming inability to accept much of faith, we found we often found ourselves handicapped by obstinacy, sensitiveness, and unreasoning prejudice. It finally beat us into a state of reasonableness. Sometimes that was a tedious process. We hope no one else was prejudiced for as long as some of us were. Um, and prejudiced in the um, dictionary is influenced unfavorably. Uh, and you know, that's, that can be such a block. Um, and then we who have traveled, this is page 49, paragraph three, we have, who have traveled this dubious path beg of you to lay aside prejudice even against organized religion. Um, and then page 58, paragraph three, some of us have tried to hold on to our old ideas and the result was nil until we let go absolutely. So I had to look at my old ideas, and the 12 steps really helped me um, to look at my, my beliefs and see what was blocking me from accessing that higher power. And, um, and that was just the turning point for me to, um, with my compulsive overeating, because I had to look at, like, really, what, what were my beliefs even about um, why, why that, that mental twist I was believing, you know, it was really going to help me. I really, and I had to see um, it wasn't, but I had to have something to help me because I needed a lot of help. And that's where I'm just so grateful. Um, so it, continuing some of the where in the big book, it talks about, you know, how we had to change our thinking. Page 52, paragraph one, we discard our old ideas for new. Uh, we had to ask ourselves, page um, 52, paragraph two, we had to ask ourselves why we shouldn't apply our, to our human problems the same readiness to change our point of view. So, you know, again, the problem is the mind. Um, page 52, paragraph three, when we saw others solve their problems by a simple reliance on the spirit of the universe, we had to stop doubting the power of God. Our ideas did not work, but the God idea did. And I was in such self-sufficiency, you know, that was, um, you know, selfishness, self-centeredness. That's the root of the problem. And it's, it centers in the mind. And page 52, paragraph four, sticking to the idea that self-sufficiency will solve our problems. There it is again. So I'm just going to go through the steps on how they helped um, me with the transformation of my thinking. So step one, you know, that we admit our powerlessness over food. That's the truth. And it was finally when I, um, I saw the truth and I admitted it, that I had no power and that my life was just unmanageable, out of control. Um, I didn't have to lie anymore about my disease. I just was, um, I could be honest about who I was and what I did. And it really helped me writing a first step. Um, they had in the treatment center, 
So we wrote like a history and I could see in black and white how um, my mind uh, was. Like, you know, I'd be going along on a, um, you know, had on a diet and then I would have a thought and then boom, I'm back into a binge or compulsively overeating or restricting. Like I would do that and then go right into restricting. And so over and over and over throughout my life, I saw how my how powerless I was, um, the progression of the disease, and how it affected every area of my life. It wasn't just a weight problem. It went into every area of my life, my relationships, my work, um, my relationship with my higher power, you know, my, my religion, everything. And, um, and most importantly, my, you know, I had that dead spirit and such low self-esteem. So that was so powerful to see it in black and white. Um, step two, so, you know, I acknowledged um, my thinking was insane. It was unhealthy. It, it, it um, was diseased. And um, so I acknowledged that and that I needed, I also saw my first step that, you know, no, no doctor, therapist, psychiatrist, um, sponsor, inspirational speaker, I mean, all the ways I tried, nothing, you know, helped. Um, my, my, own, my own will didn't, didn't help. Didn't, uh, there was no power there. And that it had to be um, a higher power. And for me, you know, my prejudice, like I couldn't even say God at first. So at first it was um, the treatment center that I went to, and then it was OA, um, and then that developed into now I can, um, I do have a relationship with higher power, but that was after the step work. So, and I didn't need to figure that out in step two. I just needed to know that um, I have a choice to believe and I could just act as if, and that's what I did for a while. Step three, I could relate um, a little bit. And as I got into it more, a lot more, but as the director of my life, yes. I was still trying to be the director of my life. Um, so um, I did that and um, I practiced. Um, and really step three was making that decision, like committing to this step work and just committing to um, God's will was for me to, you know, he had me here just to continue taking the action steps. And then step four, the inventory, it was really a lot about inventorying my thinking um, especially in the turnaround questions on page 20, uh, page 67, you know, where was I selfish, dishonest? Um, where was I, you know, fearful? Um, those all about my thinking and, um, and looking at that, seeing what lies I was telling, you know, the dishonesty, what lies am I believing? Um, and I, you know, I still, I use that today in step 10. Um, because I was living in, in lies, um, and I had to have the food down, definitely, um, to do this work, and that was part of, you know, step one. Um, and also learning with the, the fear turning around, you know, we ask God to remove the fear and direct our attention to what he would have us be. So I started depending, acting as if at first, um, in God, this God, this um, higher power, and then um, asking to be directed to be. So what am I, you know, in the state of being, like, um, 
I am <clears throat> I am calm, I am patient, like not having to do or think things through. It wasn't um, trying to think my way. It was, um, you know, starting to go to a higher power and to um, be what I thought God would direct me to be. And um, and then thinking God um, about God and not my selfish wants. And I learned that in like the sex ideal, thinking um, having my thinking based on principles and not on um, how I'm going to be safe or get what I want or be happy. Um, because God takes care, you know, I've learned that, you know, God's into the outcomes. Um, I'm into the, you know, what action do I need to take? And then step five, getting input from others that can help, you know, my sponsor help me to change my thinking the way, the way, um, have a different perspective. Because in my mind, I, I can't be doing this alone. Um, and so understanding, you know, a lot of my perceptions weren't, weren't, uh, based on reality or the truth, it was based on my self-centered fear or what I thought. Um, and I would make a lot of stories up and then I would look for evidence to support that. Uh, and then step, step six and seven, really, you know, being ready to be changed and being ready and asking God to change my thinking and knowing like, I can't do this, but I want to be ready and open and willing and, and just to have that attitude so it's starting to be changing um another way of changing my thinking is having an attitude of gratitude like thank you for bringing me here and and looking back at by that time you know i had been abstinent and that wasn't of my own will but um you know i did the footwork but god was starting to really take that um that upset the obsession and wanting the food away um, and then step eight and nine, you know, cleaning up the consequences of my twisted thinking. Um, they say, you know, all action is born in thought. So when I had that twisted thinking and then I acted out on it, not just with the food, but in what I said to people, in my actions, withdrawing from people, not being um, a, um, a participant um, in a relationship, uh, just... Uh, I mean, I could go on just in that area, but, um, or, and then my work, oh my gosh, I really, the work part was awful. And so I had to make amends for um, my work behavior. So, um, but that was started in the thinking. And so starting thinking differently, collaborating with my sponsor on um, what amends to make, not doing it alone, bringing God into it, bringing God into my actions, uh, checking things out with another recovered person, and then step ten, continuing to watch for those that um, that selfishness thinking and the dishonesty thinking and the fearful thinking, and that's all thinking based on my ego, based on my um, self-centeredness, um, and that, to be honest, it regenerates daily for me. Um, that's why I need to have that time in the morning with God. Uh, which brings me to, um, well, I just, a couple other things from step 10. It says, our new attitude toward liquor has been given us without thought or effort on our part. That's what's so awesome about this. You know, I didn't have to try so hard. I just did this footwork and God removes it. Like, I am totally neutral with the food. I don't think about the food, except 
what am I, you know, need to prepare for dinner or what am I going, you know, I write down my food the night before and commit it. I, I still commit that to God because I don't need my thinking getting in doing this um, on the spot, um, thinking what I'm going to eat. It's just better for me if it's on paper and then I just follow it. But I don't, you know, it's the food doesn't call the the uh, the thought that oh this would make it this situation easier if I just had something to eat like that just doesn't cross my mind at all and that's that's really God uh, and then page eighty five we carry the vision of God's will into all our activities and you know that's that the um, you know God's will be done is my thinking like how can I do God's will today uh, and then step eleven which I love. You know, were we resentful, selfish, dishonest, or afraid? Again, at night um, time, and sometimes I also need to do it in the morning if I'm too tired at night, um, looking at my thinking. Like, if I'm disturbed, you know, it's something in my thinking, and I, I know that today. And then were we thinking of ourselves most of the time? I love that one, <laughs> because usually it's yes, <laughs> or what's on my to-do list. And so it helps me to remember, okay, but were you thinking of others? And usually, too, I am thinking of others, too. Um, and then, but this, re, when I do this, uh, these disciplines daily, it then starts getting into my mind, too. So there is some things I can do. God does the big stuff, but I can do my part by, by showing up to these disciplines of um, my step 11. Um, and then, again, don't, we don't, um, we're careful not to drift into worry, remorse, or morbid reflection, because that's another type of thinking, self-centered thinking again on how bad I am, and that's that's not of God, and that's that's another twisted. We're human, like everyone makes mistakes, but my twisted thinking can think I'm the only one, or I should know better. I've been doing this long enough. I should know better, and I, you know, I shouldn't. That's why I need this daily. Uh, age 86, on awakening, let us think. Um, you know, again, uh, we know we are thinking people, so it's not that we don't think anymore, but we just ask God to direct our thinking. So God is my director and directs my thinking. So it's not self-pity, dishonest, or self-seeking motives. And what I say in when I do this, um, I also say, the opposite. So self-pity, I say, may I have gratitude, honesty, and think of others and how I can be helpful to them so that my mind is actually hearing some positive, um, the positive parts of that and not the twisted part. And then our thought life, page 86, our thought life will be placed on a much higher plane when our thinking is cleared of wrong motives. And this is such an awesome promise of step 11, that it will be placed on a higher plane. And I've, I've, I've witnessed that in myself, and it's it's the most coolest thing. It's better than any any uh, binge of well, my binges never ended up well, but um, it really is um, such a peaceful place to be. And and ama I'm amazed when my thought life is placed higher. And then 87, our thinking will as time passes be on the plane of inspiration, another promise of this step. Um, and then when agitated, I love this one because I need it daily. When agitated or doubtful, we pause when agitated or doubtful and ask for the right thought or action. And so again, I need God to do this. 
I need that spiritual connection to have, quote, the right thought. Um, and, um, and, there's, it's, and it's here for us. It's here for everyone. And then finally in step 12, this is the best way for me to practice and be um, really, uh, really grounded in, in who, who I was um, when I was in self and who I've become because of being God-centered and because of God's handiwork. And um, so it, it directs us on page 92 at the top, give him an account of the struggles that you made to stop. Show him the mental twist with, which leads to the first drink of a stray. And that's why I need to continually be bringing people through this process because the steps, as they're laid out in the big book, because I need to keep remembering, like, I, I have this queer mental twist, um, the peculiar mental twist. Um, I had it and I could have it if I'm not um, deep in this work and, um, and deep in a relationship with the higher power. And then 92, second paragraph, show him from your own experience how the queer mental condition surrounding that first drink prevents normal functioning of the will. And there again, um, you know, I, we, we say what we need to hear, and that's what I love about sponsoring. I, I, um, I, I'm in, I keep staying in this work so that I can um, keep hearing the strong message that, um, yes, we have the problem, allergy of the body, you know, twist, twisted mind that will keep us going back to the disease. But um, because of a higher power, because of the power of these steps, as are laid out in this big book, these directions, we can have a change of attitude, you know, a spiritual experience and have freedom from that. Um, so although my disease of compulsive eating is powerful and deadly and cunning and baffling, and I do have had the particular mental twist and um, I can, um, I can be recovered. It's been over 27 years and um, I haven't had the need to pick up. And I've had really, um, even with a lot of, um, a lot of tragedies and pain in, in my life, I've um, really lived a life of same and happy usefulness. And I don't say that glibly. It, I, I truly am so grateful. Um, it just is a, it's just an awesome way of living. And it's a day at a time. And it's open for everyone. Um, and it, you know, we set aside anything I think. And I, daily I need to ask God to change my mind. <laughs> Because sometimes my first thought is, ah, I, I can't do this, or this is too hard, or um, I don't like this. I want it in a better way. And, and I have to say, okay, God, help me to see what you see, or help me to see what um, I can learn from this, or help me to see the good you're going to do in this situation, or just help me get through this situation with with grace. And, um, and God never has let me down, you know, he's our creator, our, um, has so much love for us and has given us these steps. And, and I'm just grateful to have been given this message. So thank you, Leah, for inviting me to share this morning and giving me the, this opportunity to study the big book. 
in, um, in another way, uh, looking at these um, passages and relating them. And I'm blessed. Thank you. Thank you, Judy, for your outstanding and thorough teaching on the peculiar mental twist. Thank you for sharing your personal experience and insights on this crucial topic and for carrying such a message of hope, depth, and weight. Thank you. The share ID for today's presentation is 12,079. That's 12079. Judy F.'s contact information will be available at the conclusion of this recording, so stay tuned for that. We will now transition to a question-answer segment. Anyone with a question, star one to unmute. Hi, this is Kathy C. Hi, Kathy. Hi, this is Maria. This is Mary Lee R. in Oregon. Mary Lee, good morning. Diana B. in New Hampshire. Diana B. Okay, let's keep with those few. Kathy C., everybody else mute, please. Kathy C., go ahead with your question, please. Hi, thank you uh, for your service this morning, everybody, and, uh, and patience and perseverance. Uh, Judy, thank you so much. Your uh, story is amazing, uh, very similar to my own. Uh, I have a question, though. Uh, we have uh, different groups where they, they don't think that uh, the allergy of the body is considered to be um, a certain ingredient, but just the action of compulsive eating. Um, can, you, can you clarify um, what do you think would differentiate that type of, you know, compulsive overeater um, over, you know, having both the physical allergy to a certain ingredient as opposed to just behavioral? I, I hope my question is clear. Oh, thank you, Kathy. Thank you. Um, and thanks for hanging in. Well, I, I can just share my experience. Um, I, I did try through one therapy um, doing uh, not just doing the um, action of having moderate meals. And for me, uh, if I had any cer my certain um, addictive substances, Sooner or later, I would overeat on them, um, and I would want more and more, and I couldn't just have one. Um, so like in the big book, it talks about try some controlled eating. So maybe it does work for others. I mean, I think it's a really good, I don't know the um, page offhand, but in the book it says um, try some controlled eating, try to have, you know, like one, step over to the nearest bar. Um, and try some controlled eating. So that's, I just, um, oh yeah, on page 31 at the bottom, uh, we do not like to pronounce anyone as alcoholic, but you can quickly diagnose yourself, step over to the nearest bar and try some controlled drinking. And for me, tr controlled eating, try to um, eat and then stop abruptly. So um, for me, I, I did try that. I did try to have um, with one therapy, um, group um, tried to do that and um, and I would in the session like we actually brought our f favorite foods there you know just like foods that we would want to have and in front of everyone I had one of um, and kind of you know dipped into all of it and then um, on my way home from there I stopped and wanted more and more of it so for me 
it is an um, addictive allergy um, to certain substances. Um, it also, for me, I saw when I would um, eat like just not weighed and measured of at, of um, non-addictive foods, I could have like um, salad. I could have huge salad, and I'd want more of it. And and it wasn't because of what was on it either. I just wanted that sensation of stuffing, stuffing, stuff, stuff, um, and more and more. So um, I it could happen for someone. I I would say, um, you know, with with my sponsees, I I say if you're not sure, you know, try you know experiment, <laughs> do do some more research and see, because I I needed to be convicted on um, and really clear on what my um, addictive foods were and, um, and the compulsive behaviors. And for me, it's, um, I, you know, volume is a problem as well for me. Um, and with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Kathy C., for the question. Mary Lee R., God morning to you. Star one to unmute. Hey, Mike, can you hear me? I hear you well. Okay. Good morning, Leah and Judy. Wow, you rock. Um, you're a beacon of light, and it was shining through. And my question relates to the experience that you just hearing her. And what do you draw on when the script doesn't go according to the way you think it should? Thank you. Oh, thank you, Mary Lee. What a great question. Um, <laughs> because the script often doesn't go the way I want it to. And um, what I draw on, I, if in the moment, a lot of times in the day, I may feel um, uncomfortable, but I'm I'm not clear because I, I have a pretty busy a lot of static. day. I I have um, a pretty uh, busy day in in the in the work I do, and I'm sort of like one thing after another. Uh, so it's my nighttime when I'm writing my 11th step, and I write out um, and I think where what's what's disturbing me now? Where where was I selfish? And truly doing those turnarounds and praying. Um, really connect me with my higher power and help me to change that thinking that because my twisted thinking still I can have that and I, I wanted to touch upon that in my talk that um yes I've I've had this neutrality with the food. I mean, really it's lifted. I don't even think about going to food whenever I have um disturbances and um and I'm I'm a human being and, and there's definitely things that don't go my way. But I um Incredibly, I, I turn to God, but a lot of times I, I do work, uh, I do make calls um, a lot, at af usually after work between 3 and 6 p.m. are my times that I can call and kind of um, process um, step 10s to really see how it's really my thinking. If if things aren't going my way, it's it's my thinking. And for example, um, of my mom had my mom had died and, and we're now um, getting her house ready to be sold and in my thinking 
Um, I thought my husband, he's very handy um, with handyman type of things. So I thought, well, he's going to help me do this. <laughs> and, and he shared that he didn't want to. And that wasn't according to my script. And so, um, but I realized yesterday when I was working with um, the handyman that I hired, it was God did bring me who I needed. It just wasn't the person I thought it should be. And it was it was really better because I I um, had some great conversation with this um, man and um, and a new friend I have now, and he did an awesome job with uh, getting the house ready. So, and um, it was just that's where my th I think how like you asked, you know, it didn't go according to my plan, and I have to do that work of either writing or praying or talking to someone. And then I have that change of thinking uh, perception that this was a better way. And God's way is always a better way. But um, I need to just do that footwork to get there. It doesn't automatically come for me. And uh, I hope that was helpful. I'll pass. Thank you very much, Mary Lee R., for the question. Who else has a question this morning? Donna B., I believe, has a question. Anne-Marie M. Anne-Marie M. Let's go with you, Anne-Marie M., and we'll come back to Okay, Please. thank you. Oh, thank you. Is this yeah. Donna? Hi, Diana B. Diana B., go right ahead. Anne-Marie, thank you for your patience. Go ahead, Donna. Okay. I'm sorry, Anne-Marie. Um, Bless you all, everybody, speakers, for hanging in there and, like, you know, we're praying for that sick mind. Um, beautiful thing. My question, I have been struggling with my abstinence. Um, everything that you had said, it really resonates. Uh, it's the nighttime thing. Um, I've been writing down things. Um, somebody, the last person who asked a question really hit upon what I was going to ask, and that has had to do with, um, for me, I was wondering about those addictive foods, and when I say a prayer to connect instead of with a person, but with my higher power to relieve me of that twist in mind of the um, connection, but for me, it's any food, even a salad can trigger me, um, and I guess my question is, and I've had people um, reach out to call me that have really, really been helpful um, from Vision for You. And I was wondering your spiritual connection, that moment. Some people have an aha, aha moment. Some people, it's slow. I do feel a connection to my higher power. I'm very stuck in my head. I am very, very stubborn. Um and, you know, it's, I know it's a process. I'm being much gentler on myself. Um, but I, I definitely, you know, thank you so much. Today's special edition is really, um, really a beacon of light for me. So I guess with that, I will listen to what you have to say. Thank you so much. Well, can, can you just, what is the question? I'm sorry. Okay, now I'm unmuted. Um, about your spiritual connection, your, your, the moment that you felt if it was a very slow process to your abstinence or if it was that um, 
that moment that people describe as the aha moment. I forgot the exact word. Mm. Okay. Okay. Wow, great. Thanks, Diana B. Um, And thank you for hanging in. Uh, So my experience was, um, let's see, when I, I I was so, I was so miserable. I, I was so desperate. Um, And for me, I I just, like, when you were talking about the struggle, yeah, I had been struggling. It was finally like, I give up, like, just, you know, whatever, whatever you think. And, And I did go to a second treatment center that was based on the big book and food addiction. And um, I just didn't know where else to go. And so um, my therapist connected me in with it. And uh, I remember being mad about going, but I just, um, I, they had us weighing and measuring and writing down our food and and, um, meeting with a nutritionist and um, and they just sort of, this is it. This, this is the food plan. Um, and I was just like, whatever, like if, if they told me to eat nails all day, I would have done it. Like, and, um, and they, um, so it was acting as if for a while, to be honest with you. And then it was getting right into the step work. And then it was, um, writing, um, a first step. Um, so I saw, which meant I wrote a history of my compulsive overeating and all the ways I tried to control it. So, um, but that willingness was, some of it was just based on, um, I'm just so afraid of if I um, pick up, I, I just, I'm at the end of myself. And and I just had this open-mindedness. And, and I, I did want to reference the, the spiritual um, experience, you know, um, about, having, you know, being open-minded <clears throat> and uh, willingness, honesty, and open-mindedness are the essentials of recovery, but these are indispensable, uh, page 568. Um, and so that's where I, I just I just hung on to like, okay, just be willing to be willing, uh, be honest that I, I can't do this, and open-minded to what was suggested. And so over time, I saw how, and then just be like, and then step, go right into step two. So I, I knew I was, power, like, I had to admit I was powerless. Then I went right into step two of, okay, I can't do it. Therapists can't do it. Um, diet centers can't do it. Um, OA couldn't do it at that time for me because, I wasn't really working a program. I was just coming to meetings thinking just going to a meeting would do it. And so I, I had to, you know, okay, I had to believe, okay, maybe this higher power, this God thing will work and this, these steps will work. And then um, going to three, deciding I'm going to do this work. And so then I got right into the steps after I think three weeks, um, I started into the step work and I am just so grateful uh, for that. And I, I just, and I knew I, I really needed to work a structured program with my food plan, with phone calls and, you know, to get out of the isolation. Um, And so, and then God, so it was progressive for me, a higher power. Like I said, it was first um, the treatment center actually. And then it was, then it was OA like, 
meetings were bigger than me. Um, and, and I was doing a meeting a day too, and face to face, because at that time, this was um, 27 and a half years ago at that time, you know, we didn't have cell phones. So anyway, I, I um, but that spiritual condition was progressive. Um, and it co- continues to be progressive. Um, I continue to have to be want to be open minded to um, grow closer to my higher power and have less ego and um, more spiritual well-being and more truth. Thank you. I hope that was helpful. Thank you. Thanks, Diana B. Anne-Marie M., your turn. Star one to unmute Anne-Marie. Hi, Anne-Marie M. Thank you so much, Leah, and I apologize if I stepped over Diana. Um, And Judy, thank you so much for your exhibition of being a woman of dignity and grace, you truly are a um, powerful example of what it means to be a uh, recovered compulsive eater, and I thank you so much. Uh, my question is, um, one, when you first got abstinent, and you were abstinent for a while, maybe a month or two, did you ever get that thought um like like Jim, uh, you know, I'll just put a little whiskey in my milk, that thought that maybe I can just have one. Or like Fred where, you know, the thought suddenly occurred that, you know, date maybe a, a drink after dinner. Um, you ever have that thought that, you know, I'm just, I just need a little comfort. So um, with that, did, you, did that ever happen? And so if it has happened, what did you do with those thoughts? How did you deal with them? That is my question. Thanks, Anne-Marie. Um, good to hear you. Um, great question. So um, I, 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 I did. I mean, I, I have to say I, I totally put this program, this recovery program first. I mean, I had, well, I had lost my job because of my disease. Um, and, um, and, you know, a lot of my, my family well, my mother was um, able to come down to the treatment center, but everyone else, you know, I, I had hurt a lot of people um, with um, in my disease, and and um, I really put this program first. So basically, what I did was um, that really helped in the beginning because I didn't trust myself. Um, I didn't trust myself to go into um, restaurants um, because of the smells, really. I didn't trust myself. Um, When I went to the um, grocery store, I made a call before I went and uh, made a call after. I made a call before my meal and after my meal. I, I, um, so I, I wasn't, I was really afraid. Um, I, I was afraid of myself. I was afraid of my thinking that I would think that way, but sometimes I would just, um, whenever I was on the phone a lot too, um, I think getting into the book right away, like when I was in the treatment center, right away we got into the doctor's opinion and we did um, the first um, three steps when I was in, in, in the treatment center. And so it was pointed out like this thinking, um, and I'm so grateful for that. I, I did not like. I want to cry because I didn't think this up. Um, God got me to the people that um, really pointed out things to me in this book, 
And um, so I had to, like, and honestly, for the past 27 years, I can honestly say I put my program first. Um, and it doesn't mean that, you know, am, am I able to live a, a full life, which I was so afraid I wouldn't. I thought and that kept me away from going, really surrendering to this program, too, because I thought, well, if I put this first, I'm not going to have a life. And because I put recovery first, I have a very full life. Um, and so that was another twisted thinking I had. But um, when I did, I would get on the phone. I was on the phone a lot. Um, and I would I would take a, some type of action. And sometimes I would I would have to like take a walk. I would get to a meeting um, because in the beginning that food was screaming to me because I, I at the end I was having it all day and I I mean literally I was a grazer and um, and then um, binging at night. So um, yeah, the power of God um, through through this uh, this book and the um, and the fellowship really saved my life. And I, I hope that answered your question. It does. Thank you so much. Thank you, Anne-Marie M. Who else has a question for Judy F.? You can do so by pressing star 1 to unmute. Give us your first name and first letter of your last name. Kathy K. Kathy K. Anyone else? Catherine C. Catherine C. Okay, let's go with those two for now. Kathy K. Thank you, Leia, and thank you so much, Judy. It was just really, really special to hear you, even through all the distractions. You maintained your calm and your groundedness and your connection with your God, and that that's so wonderful. And as I listen to you, knowing how long you've been in recovery, I'm wondering how would you summarize how your daily disciplines have evolved, and what's different today than when you first started? Mm. Thank you, Kathy Kay. Good to hear you. Uh, yeah, it definitely has evolved um, because, you know, in the very beginning, I, I my quiet time was really not that quiet. <laughs> my, my mind was um, my prayer meditation. It was reading a couple of the well, actually, being compulsive, I think I was in the very beginning reading seven devotional books and um, just to get myself to sit down and read was a big thing. Um, so it's really, so my working 10, 11, and 12 today um, and how it's, that's evolved, like a lot of times in the beginning, my phone calls were really about... Um, building a network of people and talking about my, like I would be feeling stuff and I'd have to talk about like the feelings a lot because I didn't want to pick up. And, um, and in the beginning, you know, I hadn't, I hadn't been through the steps yet. Um, for the first year, it took me about a year to go through the steps the first time. And, um, and then it was, um, 
and then when I started, my phone calls then were, um, I did in the beginning um, would just be um, work my 12 was, you know, just helping other newcomers, um, you know, people that had been behind me because I hadn't, you know, been recovered or through the steps and then um, doing the, um, and then, and then soon after, probably nine months into it, I started um, sponsoring and taking, um, doing step work. And, and back then I, I did more group things. So we did group steps and then I would listen to fifth steps. Um, my 10th, yeah, my phone calls, my 10 steps were, um, now they're, they're more, well, they're, some are, um, I need to do a 10th step or I call and I'm, um, I did 10 step really at, I processed it with God, so now how can I be helpful to others? I I call newcomers um, that I hear on meetings, <clears throat> and um, my eleventh step has definitely evolved. It's been done differently. Um, I've done uh, and I've done some practices. I've gone on um, silent retreats. I've done um, other um, some in my religion some. Um, some studies uh, to get, um, you know, just kind of understand my higher power, um, his will for me. I um, I do the 11th step review. I I think um, for a while there I had gotten away from that and I was just kind of doing a God letter. But now um, the last, I would say I have an 11th step partner the last probably 10 years, um, which is really cool. We really see, you know, how we've developed. but. Um, so I do that 11-step review either at night or if I'm really tired at night, I'll do it um, in the morning just to clear it, anything that um, that's still in in my mind <laughs> might be twisted. And um, and then I send that to her. Um, I email it to her. Um, and then the 12-step, I, I now, um, yeah, I bring people through definitely right through the, um, the big book. Um, my directions now are sponsoring through the big book. And um, and then sometimes I do writing lately. I've um, found writing with my left hand has connected me to um, a greater connection to my, uh, my, my feelings that then get some more truth as to what my higher power wants to hear, um, tell me. So um, I'll do some left hand writing and um, and then I also, besides the writing part, I then, um, I have a couple of two devotionals. And then from there, I might get a word to um, kind of focus on, or I'll do my breathing, but really listening. And I've been trying to focus more on listening um, to my higher power. So I hope that, but it has been uh, changed over the years and it continues to, and I, I just continue to be open. Um, just my, you know, to know the will of God and to um, be that open channel for God. And that's um, however God, you know, and God really does bring me these different opportunities um, for that. And I hope that was helpful. Thanks, Kathy K. Thank you. Catherine C., your turn, star one time mute, please. Hi, this is Catherine C. from Virginia, Recovered Compulsive Overeater, and thank you so much for your share. 
Um, I really, really appreciated it. And I just wanted to ask you a quick question about, I've been in recovery for a couple of months now, and I'm realizing more and more that my mental twist goes far beyond food, far, far beyond. And I'm not necessarily responsible for that first thought, but I am for that second. So I guess my question for you is, how do you continue to question um, your thought process? And yeah, thank you. Oh, thank you, Catherine C. Uh, that's a great question. Um, yeah, and I'm glad you said that. It's we. I, I'm not responsible for that first thought because, um, you know, a lot of times it's based on ego or fear, um, self-centered ego, self-centered. I mean, self-centered fear, and um, I'm not always, you know, connected to God. <laughs> so, um, and so, what? Um, I what I um I lost my train of thought. So what I do is how I get get there it having that practice of um the turnarounds on page um let's see, it's you know, the step four, where was I selfish, dishonest? self-seeking um, and afraid, page 67, that was really um, very powerful at the time and continues to be, you know, in step 10, we watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. Um, that does catch, see wh what my beliefs are, like selfish, okay, I'm wanting them to, I want, you know, my husband to do this or um, I don't, um, what I'm seeing is my codependency, um, where I think um, people around me, especially my husband and sister, uh, if they would just be okay, then I'll be okay. And that, like, talk about twisted thinking, but that is my first thought is, um, if he's in a bad mood, I get angry at him for being in a bad mood. And everyone has a right to have moods. <laughs> And um, so when I, if I don't catch myself during the day to see, I, I can feel like that resentment or I can feel that fear. And then I look at, okay, what do I want in this moment? And what, what's the lie I'm telling myself? Because I'm always, if I'm disturbed, it's, you know, that spiritual axiom. If I'm disturbed, it's something in me and not in the person. So that person isn't the problem. It's my fear of what's coming up that's a problem or my my lie that I'm telling myself is the problem. So if um, when I get that disturbed feeling, that off-the-beam feeling, um, that fear or, or irritation, you know, we pause when agitated or doubtful in step 11, um, that's a great red flag for me to look at my thinking. And what is it I want? What's the lie I'm telling myself? What's what? What is the fear that I'm believing? And um, an AA um, big book teacher once said, "There's only two real fears. All the other fears are have been learned. The two fears are of loud noises and of falling. So any person will feel fear if, like, all of a sudden there's this loud noise. You know, literally we jump up." 
And then if we're falling, we have the fear. But everything else has been learned. And so there's my thinking, like, what, if, what did I learn? And then what's, um, what would um, God have me think or be? And, um, and so that's the turnaround that I do then in, in the fear, you know, direct my attention to how you would have me be, you know, direct my thinking in the morning that it, it be of gratitude and not of self-pity, that it be um, honest and truth and not dishonest. And it be um, thinking of others and not myself seeking. So um, I would say what helps me is the step 10 and step 11 um, that, you know, and those are, those are disciplines that are just built into my um, program of recovery today. So the nice thing is um, I just do it and um, it's just part of what I do. And so that's where I can catch that. Thank you. Thank you, Catherine C., for the question. Judy F., would you like to take a few more questions if we have some? Sure. Okay. Sure. All right. I want to be respectful of your time. Any other questions this morning? Star 1 to unmute. Give us your first name and first letter of your last name. Good morning. This is Kathy Jo P. Hey, Kathy Jo. Anyone else? This will be the final invitation for questions. Okay, I'll take that as an all minds cleared. Kathy Jo Peek, go Hi, right ahead. Hi, this is Yvonne D H. Yvonne, E H. Is that yes, Yvonne D H. Yes, I oh. have a question. Okay, excellent. Anyone else? Going once. Twice, three times. I have a question. Okay, you got in there in the nick of time. What's your name? Sorry, Valerie B. Hey, Valerie. Okay. Okay. Excellent. Hold on. Okay. Perfect. Kathy Joe P., go right ahead. Everybody else mute, please. Thanks. Good morning, Judy. Um, I am Kathy Jo P., recovered compulsive overeater from Minneapolis, currently in Harlem. I um, am very touched today by your share, and especially how you and Leah, et cetera, handled the trouble we had on the line. And I'll be honest and say a few times I wanted to hang up, but I hung in as you all hung in. And I want to know what you did in those very moments. I'm curious to know, because I know we've talked about it a bit this morning, but I don't think we can talk about it too much. And I would love to hear in your mind, maybe some of your prayers or anything that you were saying to your God. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Kathy Jo. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I, uh, and thank you for, thank you everyone for hanging in. Um, And you know, I, um, I just, God just kept saying, Judy, just stay on task. <laughs> um, you know, I've learned, I think, in this program that uh, there's, um, you know, I've been 
there's been a lot of things I've been through, a lot of deaths um, in my family. Um, I've had cancer and um, I've had just, you know, kind of some past stuff that have come up that I'm working through. And, you know, God just always makes good out of everything. And, and I knew, I just had this sense, like, God's going to work this out. And my job right now is just, um, you know, Leigh asked me to share on this topic, and, and I had my outline and, and things I wanted to say and just to keep um, keep on task and uh, no matter what. Um, I have, I, I work in a school, and and we just had a fundraiser with um, T-shirts, and on the back of it says, uh, and it uh, never give up. And I've really learned in this program you know, it always seems hopeless. Like it was seemingly hopeless to me when when I was, you know, I lost my job. I I had I was so destitute um, spiritually and financially and really emotionally in every way, and that was like the greatest gift because that opened me up to recovery. And uh, so I I thought, well, my job here is just to continue on task, and um, God like. Just help me to continue on class. I just said, help me to just keep going. So I just kept pressing on mute to keep going. And uh, I didn't know what the outcome was. And that's, I'm not in charge of any outcome. But um, I just knew that I was asked to do this and God was with me. Um, and I was, you know, just thankful that people stayed with it and, um, you know, stayed on. And now, God has given such a, a, a peaceful uh, line right now. It's beautiful. <laughs> so thank you, though, for the, the uh, question. I, I think we all had perseverance today. And, and you know, God um, God is more power, you know, our higher power, whatever our higher power was that kept us on this line. And, uh, you know, we, we had witnessed um, an example of, a, of disease and uh, a twisted behavior. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, persevered and God made good out of it. I, I I feel closer to everyone now because we went through it together and uh, we didn't have to go into any of our defects. Oh, thanks. Thank you, Kathy. Joe P. for the question. Yvonne D.H., your turn. Yes, thank you so much. Um, oh, thank you so much for your sharing, which was great to li- listen to, and for your perseverance. I only say it because you say it. <laughs> I was very much impressed about your uh, serenity, and I'm a teacher too, so I learned a lot today. Um, keep it on task. That's very good. Um, I have the question to the morning meditation. Um Somehow, how long does it take you? Because I'm compulsive. I'm compulsive overeater in recovery, and I do a lot, a lot, a lot more than I should do. It can take hours, and I would like to know how you do it. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Yvonne, um, and thank you for staying on the line. Um so I have I have to leave the house pretty early. I start my day, um, so I leave the house around uh, between six and six fifteen, 
And I, so I have an hour in the morning that I um, devote. And it, um, you know, it, it's in that hour, I would say I do some writing. So it might be my 11-step um, review if I didn't do it the night before. It, it, and if I did, it might be just connecting with my left hand. It might be writing out my gratitudes to God or anything that's kind of, I, I find writing is a great, connection I have with God, it, 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 um, it, by going to my hand, through my hand, it gets more into my heart than my head, the thinking. If I stay in my head too much in, in any of my meditation, I mean, there's a part of my meditation that is the listening, and that's why, um, but the writing kind of gets me um, into more my heart. Um, and into my connection to God. So I do that first to clear anything or to get kind of um, centered on God. And then I'll read uh, one or two um, meditations and I'll take, I might take a phrase from that or a word. Um, and then I will, um, so that's usually the first half hour. And then the, I do a half hour of, of listening. And, um, and I do set my timer because um, I have to make sure I get to work on time and get, get ready for the rest of the day. But um, that listening, and sometimes that'll change up. I'll think I'll do a word, and then my mind is on stuff. So then I'll say, okay, let's go to breathing. Or I'll just use one word. I have this one kind of sacred word. I'll go back to that. But I just want to, my mind can't be cleared of all thoughts because a mind thinks. So that's why I try to focus it on a um, a phrase or a word or some spiritual, um, some positive word or um, or or thought from God. So um, um, otherwise, my thoughts will come in um, for the day and that sort of thing. Um, the other thing I didn't mention, what I've really liked to do is um, when I'm then getting ready for um, work, I've recorded my in my own voice um, the morning meditation, you know, that starts on page 88, um, ask God to direct our thinking. I record that part for the 11-step um, morning, and it's in my own words. Um, so I'm listening to that. I've also recorded the 10th step from the big book, and then I'll listen to that as I go through the day. Um, so I do that while I'm um, getting ready for work, um, and that centers me too, and, and helps me to re get my thinking. Um, thinking, how can I be, you know, useful to God and do God's will? And I hope that was helpful. Thank you, Yvonne D H. Oh, very much. Thank you so much, and have a blessed day. Thanks, Yvonne. Our final question for the morning comes from Valerie B. Good morning, Valerie. Good morning. Thank you so much for for your demonstration of grace under pressure. I uh, I I was amazed. I really was amazed. Um, thank you for that. But I, what I, the question I have is is that you know. Uh, you're, you're, you've recovered from so much. You recovered, but my question is: Is do you still struggle with things? 
Thank you, Valerie. Uh, oh, yes. <laughs> um, yes, I do. Um, in that um, fear can still come up for me a lot. And, um, and I can uh, wake up at 3 in the morning uh, thinking about everything I have to do or about a situation. And so I continually need to um, practice um, my step 10 and 11, um, reach out to others, um, pray. I, I have um, certain prayers. I, I didn't mention I do pray the third step um, and the seventh step. I've had to get sometimes down on my knees and just say, God, help me. Um, so I, I, I do. I mean, I, I don't, I think my, my fear has gotten better, but um, I can get, I'm learning, I can get triggered and, and react uh, sometimes immediately with, um, especially in, in my um, marriage at times. Um, uh, I, my husband has some um, struggles and, and I can take it personally. And so I have had to really um, work with God and, and work with others on keeping the focus on on my side of the street and um, and be kind and loving um, no matter what. So I, I do, um, and, you know, I'm not sure if it's the struggle, but just I, um, the fear, you know, I just still can have fear, but I have a solution today with these steps and, um, and, and people in, in my life that I can be really honest with with my feelings, I don't stay in my feelings, but I also have to acknowledge that um, I'm feeling the fear or um, I'm, I'm not liking what's happening. And then, but I do have that relationship with God and, and I've had some other things that, you know, just have gotten me to my knees with God, but I've seen, I have to also remember, you know, remember that you know, God's going to get me through this. He's gotten me through a lot. And, um, and so I don't think of the food, thank God. I, I never think of what am I going to eat. Um, I, get, I can get into self-reliance, and that's where I think I have to figure things out or I'm in my head too much or I'm, my perception is off. And, um, again, I'm, I'm grateful for the disciplines um, that the big book have um, laid out for me to do. And, um, and so I just – and I have to also remember it's today. And that I'm in the here and now, um, and with God, God's all about being in the now and being in this present moment. Um, so I hope that was helpful. Thank you, Valerie B, for the question. Thanks to everybody who posed questions this morning. Thanks for hanging in there, everyone, particularly our speaker. Judy F., thank you for your perseverance and your um, incredibly profound share this morning on such an important topic as the peculiar mental twist. We're going to close now from page 164. You'll find it in a chapter entitled A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We, we realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. 
Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.